Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Oh, good afternoon and a happy hump day Wednesday, October 26th, the year 2022. Just just take a look outside. Just breathe it in. Oh, my. Everybody, you know what kind of day it is, right? It is an absolute chamber of commerce day. Just beautiful. Hope everybody has an opportunity to... Um, Enjoy it and uh, soak it in. We've got a lot to talk about today. Christian Clark is going to join us. We're going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. Chandler Rome will give us a preview of the Astros Phillies recruiting update with Billy Embody. This is our number one. Our number two, Dave Eckert um, in Hattiesburg will preview the Cajuns and the Golden Eagles. And Michael Huguen and Avon3.com. We'll stop by and talk all about week eight that was in college football and week nine that will be this weekend in college football as we anticipate the first college football bracket, right? You know, George is going to be in there. You know, Ohio State's going to be in there. You know that uh, Tennessee's going to be in there. And who's going to be the fourth team? Is it Michigan? Probably. Probably so. We shall see. Anyway, um, my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. Love my Lake Charlesians uh, and everyone in between. Uh, we are streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. If you're in the Acadiana area near a television set, pop it on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. No Zion Williamson, no Brandon Ingram, no Herb Jones. Your best score goes uh, 6 of 20 from the field. And you still beat the Dallas Mavericks. That's exactly what the New Orleans Pelicans did. 113-111. Luka got his uh, with 37 points on the night. But the Pels used balanced scoring. Uh, Trey Murphy was... um, Absolutely perfect. Eight for eight from the floor, four for four from downtown, two for two from the free throw line. He had 22 points in his 36 minutes um, stay on the court. He got the starting nod in place of Brandon Ingram. Najee Marshall got the starting job. Uh, He had 15 points in 33 minutes. C.J. McCollum uh, didn't shoot the ball well at all, but he did have... 11 assists to go along with his 14 points. Jonas Valanciunas had 13 points. Jose Alvarado in a starting spot went six for eight from the floor, 13 points. Um, Dante Graham had 14. Larry Nance had 11. Dyson Daniels had 11. So in other words, eight 
Pels in double figures. And now New Orleans is three and one overall. That's just the way it is in this NBA. You just never know. Short term, one game. Yes, the Pels need to get their players back. They fully expect uh, Zion and, and Herb Jones back for a three game road trip that starts, um, I think, on Friday in Phoenix. Brandon Ingram should be back, too, as well. Um, I, if you get a chance to go see a game in person, uh, go see the Dallas Mavericks play and not their team. Just watch Luka Doncic play. He's unbelievable. I think of all the teams that the Pelicans could face, and I'm talking Golden State Warriors, Boston Celtics, the guy that kills them more than anybody is Luka. He's just he's just unbelievable. So the Pels get get quite the uh, the win there. Uh, we'll talk recruiting uh, with LSU because one. Uh, LSU football flipped former Baylor commit four-star linebacker Christian Braithwaite of Cypress, Texas. He's the second linebacker and 23rd commit overall for Brian Kelly's class of 2023. So so that's a good one. And Kim Mulkey just keeps on keeping on. Yesterday, five-star Alaya Del Rosario committed to LSU over reigning champion South Carolina and Tennessee and the Yukon Huskies. Rosario is six foot six, six foot six, rated by some as the nation's top post player in the class of 2023. Um, both her parents played basketball professionally. She's been around the game all of her life. So um, she joins Angelica Velez, her teammate at the Webb School in Tennessee as well as in-state port guard Michaela Williams, the nation's number one overall prospect, and uh, Janae Kent, a wing, to give LSU one of the best, if not the very best, recruiting classes in the country. And she had quite the debut season, when you think about it, um, going 26-6, and six, finishing second in the SEC to national champion South Carolina, earned a number three seed in the NCAA tournament, and she energized the fans into uh, buying nearly 5,000 season tickets. That was just in year one. So um, who knows what's going to happen here in year two, but she, she's got a powerhouse brewing. No ifs, ands, buts about it. Um, around the world, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are uh, slumping, to say the least. Uh, but... They're going to be missing four starters for Thursday night's ball game against the Baltimore Ravens as quarterback Tom Brady tries to avoid three consecutive losses for the first time in 20 years and just the second time in his career. They'll be without left guard Luke Gottke, defensive back Antoine Winfield Jr., quarterback Carlton Davis, tight end Cam Brate against the Ravens. So, uh, Reserve receiver Russell Gage, former Tiger. Backup quarterback Sean Murphy Buntning have also been ruled out. Julio Jones battling a knee injury. And another uh, former Tiger, defensive lineman Akeem Hicks, who returned to practice this week for the first time since suffering a foot injury in week two, will be doubtful. So injuries taking their place. Oh, it's great to see two LSU Tigers in the World Series and quite a reward for one Aaron Nola, who will get the start for the Phillies 
in game one of the World Series this Friday in Houston. Nola's 2-1 and one with a 3.12 ERA and 18 strikeouts in three starts this postseason. Against the Astros, back on October 3rd, he took a perfect game into the seventh inning in the Phillies' 3-0 win that clinched an NL wild card spot. So, now, a lot of people say, well, the Astros had everything locked in and that was it. So, but you take it for what it's worth. In that game, um, in which he took a perfect game into the seventh inning, uh, he struck out nine, didn't allow a base runner until Jordan Alvarez singled with two outs in the seventh. The Astros have not lost a game since that date, going 7-0 and in the playoffs. So we'll have a primer on that as well. Um, those are your headlines of the day, brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. There are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, you just can't shop right at all. If you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, text PANTHER to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing at the Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the 10th. Once again, text PANTHER to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, brought to you by The Game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. Busy show planned for you and yours. Let's get right to our guests. We're going to start off with, down in New Orleans, the Pelicans. Christian Clark covers them for... um, NOLA.com, and he joins us next here on this Wednesday edition of the Jordy Hultberg Show on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We'll be right back. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, another really intense basketball game early on in the season. Pels get a 113-111 win over the Dallas Mavericks last night. Christian Clark covers the Pels for NOLA.com, and he's kind enough to join us. Who to thunk it, Christian, right? Without Zion, without Ingram, without Herb Jones, you get to play a lot of players. I guess it goes to show you Pels got a pretty good bench that can do a lot of good things, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's, I mean, they, they do have a deep team. Uh, Dyson Daniels, you know, a rookie who looks like he can, he can really play, really was not even a part of that rotation in, in the first three games. And it's kind of funny, you know, I, I was sitting there watching Stan Van Gundy call the game for TNT and thinking, oh God. yeah, this roster has come a, a pretty far ways in two years. It is a drastically <laughs> yes. improved roster in a, in a two-year span. It really did. Um, eight players in double figures. Your leading score that, that actually played goes six for 20 from the field. But to his credit, C.J. McCollum had 11 assists. So when you think you're missing all the, that scoring power and, the, and your other elite score has a terrible shooting night and you still win, man, you hold Dallas to 111. They're, they're playing D. They're hustling, right? They're playing hard. Yeah, and and Luca was 
I mean, pretty unbelievable, which it, it yeah. seems like he is every time the, yes. the Mavericks play the Pelicans. Uh, I, I believe over the, the previous three seasons prior to this one, the Mavericks had won 9 of 11 meetings. Correct. Um, the Mavericks have, have kind of owned the Pelicans. Um, so it was a, a pretty shocking game. But, yeah, I mean, they've they got a lot of talent on this team. Um, I mean, I, I think Larry Nance Jr. said it after the game. He's like, I don't know how many teams in the NBA that are as deep as we are and, and can play as many different types of ways as we can. They started off on fire, and no one stayed on fire like uh, Mr. Murphy, uh, this, the the pick from a year ago who's in his second season. He goes a perfect eight for eight, four for four from downtown, two for two from the free throw line. 22 points. He got 36 minutes. It just bodes well for him. But he's been good all year, all season long, albeit a four-game sample size. Yeah, and I, I think you could kind of see, you know, his level up coming. Um, I mean, you know, some folks on the team over the summer, like, he looks a lot more confident than he did during his rookie year. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought he had a really impressive preseason. Um, you know, like, not just shooting threes, but shooting threes several feet behind the line like it's nothing. And mm-hmm. so far, that's, that's carried over these four games in the regular season. They need him to be that guy, too. I mean, they're, they're okay. taking, they're t- attempting the fewest threes in the entire NBA. Like, they need that floor spacing, you know, next to the Zion BI CJ trio. So, I mean, he's only going to continue to be a really important for piece for the team moving forward i love how you know every once in a while they come out and hedge real close and he'll give a, a shot fake from behind the arc uh, and they'll go for it and he'll drive he's not afraid to drive the ball to the basket so his entire offensive game seems to be evolving um i've got to ask you update any update on injuries with ingram williamson and and herb jones what what's uh getting ready to head on on a three-game West Coast road trip. Uh, what do you think? Who's going to be available? Yeah, so they're not practicing today, so there's no official update from Willie. I mean, my my kind of sense is, um, you know, I, I think there's a, a good chance that we see Zion and Herb back against Phoenix. Um, obviously, it's a fluid situation. I would be surprised if Brandon Ingram plays against Phoenix, um, but We'll know more tomorrow when they, when they practice. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I hopefully it's just one game apiece missed for for both right. Jones and Zion Williamson. And I, please tell me, it didn't look like Brandon Ingram got hit that hard. I what I know, Najee Marshall kind of got him with his fingers, but that didn't seem like a concussion type thing. Obviously, I'm wrong there, but it just didn't seem that that um, blatant. I agree. I mean, I watched it a couple times, and I was like, okay. I'm surprised that he was concussed. I mean, he went back into the game in the second quarter and then subbed himself out. I mean, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) only Brandon Ingram knows how bad it is. Um, You know, if it is a – I mean, look, concussions are serious things, but um, they need Brandon Ingram, so (laughs) – yeah. <laughs> like we yeah. we saw last year, uh, he had these injuries that just lingered and lingered, and they really struggled without him. Um, so hopefully, he can get back as soon as possible. You know, it's just it's it's kind of I think just going really to be bizarre. 
Yeah, kind of bizarre. We're talking with Christian Clark, NOLA.com, covering the Pelicans. You you did an article on Dyson Daniels. His stat line last night, man, 22 minutes, which is so valuable. You got to get him on the court. He had 11 points. He had three rebounds. He had two assists uh, on four or five shooting. And uh, when he goes in the game, uh, Willie Green says, um, welcome, welcome. You're going to get extended minutes. Now go guard Luca. Hello. <laughs> Uh, pretty tough assignment. Um, I thought he did pretty good. Stole the ball from him twice. I mean, Luca's, I mean, has a case as the best player in the entire NBA, and he got his. Um, but I thought Dyson like looked pretty good. I mean, Dyson just knows how to play basketball. That's that's yeah. the thing for me. Like, I mean, I think a really advanced defender for 19 years old, and he just knows how to fit in on the offensive end. Like. He put the ball on the floor. He can pass. He's going to keep it moving. It's not going to stick. He's not going to take stupid shots. I mean, he, he likes to get in there and take floaters when he can to take the occasional three-pointer. Um, he's a guy who I would want to play with if I was a basketball player. Like, I always love playing with those types of guys. You're right. He had a plus-minus of minus 18, not through any fault of his own. It's just that's how good Luca is. And when, when you're guarding Luca and, and Luca's just playing his normal deal and route to another 37 point, 11 rebounds, seven assists night, you're going to get some negatives down there. It's just that's just inevitable. Uh, but this team's heading out on a West Coast trip. They got Phoenix, they've got the Clippers, and they've got the Lakers. Um, man, the, we saw what Phoenix did last night against Golden State, put up. Uh, 134 to 105 blew them out the waters. How about Clay Thompson getting ejected first time ever? I mean, they had like seven technicals in like a minute. That's crazy. Yeah, and then uh, I think almost everybody in in South Louisiana knows that the Pelicans have swap rights with the Lakers, right? Yes. Uh, you know, if if the Lakers finish with a a pick that's closer towards the top of the draft, then they'll be able to swap rights with them. So uh, it's a, that's you, a Anthony fun Davis. little subplot of this season. Yeah. Thank you, Anthony Davis. Greatly appreciate that. That's a, <laughs> man, that's a dumpster fire. No question, no doubt. Um, so in this small sample size that you've seen the Pels, um, sustainable? Very good team? I think so. I, I mean, I look, I think so. I mean, I think they're going to be a top eight team. They've got a really strong chance to finish in the top six and, and avoid the play-in tournament mm-hmm. altogether. I mean, the only thing that's that's holding me back is the health stuff, you know? Right. I mean, right. that's the only thing. It's like I still am like, well, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, can you guys play 70-plus games in a season? Can you show me Please. you can do that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's like really all I, all I need to see for me to like go all the way, you know? I'm with you. I am with you 150%. You hitting the West Coast? You getting ready to head out to Phoenix in L.A.? I'll be on the uh, the first two legs of the trip, yeah, doing the, the Phoenix game, uh, first their first game uh, since that first-round series, and, and the Clippers game, which is a noon start uh, West Coast time and then 2 p.m. Central, which I love. I love uh, day games. Nice. More of them, please. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, well, we'll we'll know a lot more about this ball club because those are two of the two of the better teams, and they're they're uh, healthy and, and they got their star power going. So it, it it'll be very interesting. We'll see what they're made of. But uh, thank you so much. So far, so good, man. So far, so good. What a what a win 
under those circumstances last night. Christian Clark, NOLA.com. Thank you, my friend. Hey, we're, we're a long ways from the Stan Van Gundy days. Uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> a to the men. Yes, indeed. All right. The Karakrow Cultural District is hosting Crowfest, downtown Karakrow Fall Festival, this Saturday, 6 to 8 p.m. Families are invited to enjoy a safe trick-or-treating along St. Peter's Street, which will be closed to vehicle traffic during the event. There'll be games, a haunted house, a petting zoo, a costume contest for kids, and a pumpkin carving contest at the downtown Crow. That's the Crow Fest, downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival this Saturday. We'll take a timeout. We're getting closer to the World Series. We'll preview it with Chandler Rome when we return here on the Jordy Holtberg Show. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Everybody wrapped up their respective uh, championship series in baseball like that. And so we've had quite a break between that and the World Series. But Friday... Minute Maid Park, Game 1, Phillies-Astros. And uh, on paper, which you obviously don't play the game on paper, but the Astros, I mean, it's like a, the most lopsided World Series since like 1906 is what those uh, historians are calling this. But again, you don't play on paper. You read the paper. And when you read the paper, you read the Houston Chronicle, and that's where you find Chandler Rome, who is uh, – the beat writer for the Astros. Chandler, I, I appreciate the time. I know you're very, very busy, but man, what a season. Uh, what what a playoff uh, run for the Astros, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, Jordy. Thanks for having me. Um, wh- why is it? What, what do you think it is? It, it's a chaotic world that baseball is, but the consistency of these Astros, six straight trips to the American League Championship Series, Four pennants. Um, you got other 100-win teams like uh, Los An- the Dodgers, the Yankees. All these teams are falling by the wayside. But guess who's guess who's still standing strong? The Houston Astros. What is the, what is it about this club? Yeah, I, I think it's a couple things. Um, you know, you, you mentioned all that, and they've lost Garrett Cole, they lost George Springer, they lost Carlos Correa. Yeah. Um, it seems like they lose a superstar just about every winter, and then they do the same thing every spring and every fall. They 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 find themselves here, either in the World Series or in the ALCS. And I think you know you talk to players, you talk to people kind of around the organization, and it's part of it is a culture. Um, they have kept a core around Altuve, Bregman, um, Yuli Gurriel, Justin Verlander's been here for most of it, Mike McCullers Jr. So they've got a core of guys that have established a culture. That's pretty welcoming to, to to younger kids that come in there and to kind of take them under their wing and kind of show them how to do it. And um, I think a lot of credit goes to player development, um, that they were able to absorb all of those losses I just said. Um, they were able to do all of that with, really, with guys that were in the system already, minor leaguers, guys that came up. You know, Kyle Tucker has turned into a great player. Jordan Alvarez is obviously 
one of the best hitters in baseball. But you know, they bring Jeremy Pena up, who had never played in Double A, played thirty games in Triple A, and he's won an ALCS MVP, having a great year. So, I mean, it's just a testament to consistency, and it's a testament to a culture that um, allows guys to be their best, the best version of themselves, and. Um, it's a very selfless culture that they have, and it's a culture I think honestly that they know that they really only have each other. Um, this is they are not liked by just about anyone in the baseball world, just given what happened in 2017. They're the villains pretty much everywhere they go. Yeah. Um, but they know that they have each other, and they 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 kind of stay to themselves. They kind of stay in that clubhouse, and they've really created a, a, a chemistry and a culture that's really tough to beat. It is us against the world. There is no question about that. Um, the Astros swept both Seattle and the New York Yankees to get to the World Series. The Phillies had a, a little diff- more difficult task. They beat the Cardinals, they beat the Braves, and they beat the Padres to reach this point. Um, when you look at it from a hitting, pitching, fielding uh, aspect, those three tiers, um, is there any one aspect that the Phillies are better than the Astros? You could maybe say their lineup's a little bit better. They have a little more power in their lineup. Um, They have a little just more star power in their lineup. Uh, Bryce Harper's on another level right now, playing out of his mind. You know, Kyle Schwarber, Real Muto, Nick Castellanos, Reese Hoskins. Like, I mean, they've got good power hitters, and they've got a a pretty deep lineup that'll punish mistakes. But um, I still think, I mean, the Astros on paper are the clear favorites here. Um, I mean, it's, and I think that the, the, the thing that, you know, has to make Astros people happy is that, you know, I say that their lineup, the Phillies lineup is obviously its best suit, but when you look at the Astros pitching staff and what they've done all season, what they've done this, uh, this playoff run, you know, the Phillies are kind of living and dying on home runs right now. Um, they've had a couple mm-hmm. big home runs, a couple big hits. Uh, no pitching staff in baseball allows fewer home runs per nine innings than the Astros. Um, they're, they're, so deep and they're so talented and they're they can really just kind of give you any sort of arm angle any sort of repertoire that you need to neutralize someone so um i i think those two kind of equal each other out uh, but you know i will say one of the big differences in the series is going to be on defense the phillies are probably one of the worst defensive worst. teams to ever make the world series yeah. Um, just you look at all these publicly available metrics that they're really bad defensively yes. and you kind of saw in the yankee series how the Astros exploit that, right? Game three, mm-hmm. Harrison Bader drops a fly ball in center field. The next at bat, Chaz McCormick gets a two-run home run. In game four, when they were uh, in a tie game, they messed up a double play ball that Jeremy Pena hits in the seventh inning. Jordan Alvarez, single. Alex Bregman, single. They had the lead in the game, and they win the pennant. So they are so good at capitalizing on mistakes. They are so good at if you crack a door open for them, they'll break it open. And – um, I think the Phillies can be prone to doing that, and I think that they probably will do that at some point in this series, and it's not going to go well for them. To your point, the Astros had the second-best defense in the majors during the regular season, preventing 25 runs. That's according to StatCast's estimate. Meanwhile, the Phillies, on the other hand, checked in with the second-worst defense, costing themselves 29 runs. So my higher math says that's a difference of 54 runs. And that's why the Astros won 29 more games during the regular season than the Phillies did. Um, The Dusty Baker factor. um, I really thought with everything that went down and losing the manager that you had, who I thought was really good, Dusty Baker way up there in age, but 
how has he been with this club? And uh, boy, everything seems to just fit, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think the one thing that Dusty did that I don't think he gets enough credit for, and it took me a while to kind of really understand this, is you know I talked about that culture that that has manifested here and the clubhouse yeah. chemistry that they have. You know, Dusty didn't come in and change a lot of stuff. He came in and he let these guys be themselves. And I think that's the best thing you can do. When you're, yep. when you're given the keys, I mean, Dusty was given the keys to a Lamborghini. I mean, this thing was humming and rolling. All, the only yeah. thing he had to do was shield some guys from the hate that was going to come about the sign-stealing scandal. And he just had to let these guys be themselves. And he's done a remarkable job of that. Um, you know, he's not the most hands-on manager. He's not going to be the guy that's, you know, always looking at swings and, and looking at the, that kind of stuff. He's, he lets his coaches have a lot of autonomy to kind of do their thing. And he's just kind of overseeing everything. And I think the one thing he deserves a, a lot of credit for is his ability to just let these guys be themselves. And, you know, he came in, he knew he came in with something that was special. And yeah. it, it was his job, honestly, to just not screw it up. And he, he's done a he's done a he's done that and more. I mean, and I think sometimes you know we all want, you know, I think in today's day and age we're all like, well, what have you done? What are you doing? Sometimes the best thing is maybe doing nothing, just coming yeah, in and letting these guys true. be themselves and understanding that they've done this for a while and it's worked this way for a while. Why change it? The toughest aspect of the America League Championship Series was picking the most valuable player because I know Pena won it. But, man, Bregman had to be right there. I don't know how you pick between the two. Yeah, I think Pena obviously had maybe some of the bigger just moments. Obviously, that three-run homer uh, to yeah. get them out of the hole in game four. And then, I mean, look, he's been everything as advertised. I think um, just, you know, if you watched him in the second half of the season after the All-Star break, you would have never envisioned this was coming. He was he was not good offensively in the second half. Um he made an adjustment in September, and it's really taken off on. But the thing that you really have to appreciate about him is his poise. I mean, you listen to him talk, you listen to him do interviews, you just look at his demeanor, look at kind of how he carries himself. I mean, he carries himself like a guy that's been in the major leagues for 10 years. And he's only, you know, this is his rookie season. So um, nothing phases him. The moment is never too big for him. He is a um, he is mature beyond now. And look, he's an older rookie. He's 25 years old. So it's not right. as if he's some kid that they just brought up, but just given the service time and given the, the shoes he was put into having to replace Ooh. Carlos Correa, he's done such a great job of just minimizing everything and just kind of being Jeremy Pena, not being Carlos Correa's replacement. Yeah. They, they like tall shortstops in Houston, don't they? <laughs> well, uh, Jeremy's, Jeremy's about two or three inches shorter than Correa. So okay. uh, they they may need to uh, they may need compared to, um, to compared to Bregman and Altuve he looks like a giant. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody looks like a giant uh, up next to Altuve. The guy that's yeah. the backup shortstop, David Hensley, he's six foot seven. So wow, put him next to Altuve in a couple. Put him next to Altuve in a couple games, that's and you got a great crazy. That's crazy. Chandler Rome joining us, Houston Chronicle. I guess it's going to be. Uh, um, Verlander versus another former Tiger in, in the Aaron Nola game one? That's what it sounds like. Uh, the Phillies announced today that Aaron Nola is going to start game one. Uh, I'd imagine that the Astros are going to start Justin Verlander, um, barring something completely unforeseen. They haven't announced that officially yet, but I'd be surprised if it wasn't him. And it'd be interesting, you know, uh, 
Aaron Nola gets to face his former roommate. Alex, he and Alex Bregman were roommates at LSU right. for, uh, I think, two years. Uh, but actually, Nola is the last pitcher to beat the Astros. Uh, the Astros haven't lost since October 2nd, and that was when Aaron Nola pitched. He took a perfect game into the seventh inning at Minute Maid right. Park, and that was the night that the Phillies clinched their playoff spot. So uh, the Astros have seen him already and not fared very well against him. So it should be interesting to see what adjustments they make. He is uh... – Chandler Rook, Chandler, you got any spare tickets for this thing, man? I've been hunting like crazy, man. I can't find any. I think you're in better luck trying to find them in Houston. From what I understand, the ones in uh, the ones in Philly are just out absurdly expensive. Thanks, <laughs> I'm just I'm just happy Bryce Harper's healthy. I want to see best against best. I want to see Verlander against Harper. That, that's fun. That's that's good theater. Oh yeah, and I mean Bryce Harper. I, I think for. I don't know how much Astros fans get to watch him just because he's been in the National League his whole career. But yeah. I mean, he's everything you can expect and more. I mean, he's he's had hype around him since he was 13 years old. Um, everyone's kind of hyped him up as the second coming. And, you know, when you have that sort of pressure on you, if you're not just exceedingly great, then everyone kind of thinks you're overrated. But, I mean, he yeah. has been as advertised as good. And th- these playoffs, he has just been on an absolute heater. And the Astros, are, I mean, he's the one guy in the Astros in the Phillies lineup, you know, kind of like Aaron Judge at the Yankees. You know, right. the Astros are going to circle him and say he's not going to beat us. Someone else in that lineup may yeah. beat them, but they do not want Bryce Harper to beat them. Those home runs uh, go to die against the Astros, and I don't want to hear the Phillies talking about well, the you know they opened up the roof and it took away from the home. I mean that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard a manager say in my life. But the Yankees are gone. The Astros are consistent. They're back. Uh, enjoy the. Would you be surprised if it comes, if this World Series comes back to Houston a second time? I, I would be. I'd be a little surprised. I think if you asked me to pick, I'd probably pick Astros in five. Um, I do think. Um, and this is going to be the most obvious take in the world, but these first two games at Minute Maid are important because the, yes. the, the Phillies are going to throw their two best pitchers, their two aces. If the Phillies can somehow split that, if they can go to Philly up one-to-one, then I think it's a series. But uh, just the way the Astros have played at home, the way that they're just rolling through everyone right now, it, it's really hard for me to pick against them. So um, my pick would probably be Astros in five, and, yeah, I'd be a little surprised if it does come back to Houston for game six. Chandler Rome, Houston Chronicle. Enjoy every minute of it, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Jordy. You got it, buddy. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. How about a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. It's simple. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. It's free, and it's really easy. It really is. So go sign up today. LSU football off this weekend, but they're recruiting, and Kim Mulkey gets another one, another five-star. Billy Embody will join us on Vaughn3.com to tell us all about them when we return to the Jordy Helford Show here on The Game. And we are back at 47 minutes after the hour. It's um, another uh, recruiting story. It keeps on keeping on. 
Billy Embody, kind enough to join us, the, the recruiting expert. Billy, how you been, buddy? I'm doing well, Jordy. How are you? I am terrific. Um, all right, so let's start off with uh, football. Um, LSU flips a former Baylor commit. Tell me all about that and how'd that come about? Yeah, Christian, Christian Brathwaite out of Cy Ranch, Texas in the class of 2023, flipped his commitment this morning to LSU. And this one has actually quietly been in the works for a while from what I found out uh, from him earlier this week when we talked about it. Uh, he's actually held an LSU offer for a while now, and he was committed to Baylor uh, in uh, January, and LSU picked up communication over the past few months. They offered him, and uh, he didn't announce it uh, out of respect for Baylor. He was committed there. Uh, he really liked Dave Aranda, and his staff still does. And this is just one of those things where he wanted to be at LSU that badly. He took a visit to LSU this past weekend for the Ole Miss game, uh, had a blast. Yeah. Uh, loved it, loved what Matt House did uh, with the defense and uh, decided he couldn't wait any longer and, and decided to go ahead and flip. He told the Baylor staff um, two nights ago that he was going to go ahead and flip, and it was just a matter of time before he announced it. So this one was really in the works for a while. Uh, a really high-character young man. He's about 6'1", 205. Uh, LSU sees him as somebody that can really play in the middle. Whit Weeks is the other linebacker in the class. They've got committed, and they really complement each other well. Uh, Christian is, is more of somebody that that, that probably plays uh, in the middle, while Wick okay. could probably play in a little bit more space. Uh, this is a really good pickup for LSU. Billy Embody, of course, uh, covers LSU for at Bengal Tiger on three. Um, he's not a Harold Perkins type then, right? He's, he's not one of those those kind of players. Uh, he is he is a good linebacker. He is really okay. kind of played in the middle a lot this year. Uh, Harold is somebody that has that freakish athleticism that allows him to do what he's done this year, which is move around, uh, play on the edge, come off the edge. Uh, I think with Christian, you're looking at more of a true middle linebacker, um, somebody that probably needs to put on some weight. Uh, he got injured as a junior, came back as a senior, and has been really productive. Um, at a you know a lighter weight, he was about six yeah. six one two twenty five as a junior, uh, and is now trimmed down. And uh, I think you know the strength and conditioning staff at LSU will pack that weight back on uh, for him to play in the middle. But I would expect him to start out in the middle and uh, finish his career there. Uh, Bill, that's twenty three commitments for twenty twenty three already. Yeah, it's been impressive with what they've been able to do. Um, you know, just start to finish. You know, they, they started stacking some commitments in the spring. Um, he, uh, you know, Brian Kelly and his staff really just stayed true to their plan, which was they targeted a select number of guys, really pushed them to come in for an official visit. Uh, they did that in the summer. They started stacking commits in July nationally. We saw in late July and August and even into September, they got some Louisiana prospects mm-hmm. on board. And, you know, they just, stuck true to their plan and I got to give them credit. They've stacked commitments and, you know, pretty much all of them are firm. We saw Ryan Yates shut down his recruitment uh, and say that he's locked in with LSU and okay. that he's going to sign there. And there's a couple guys they're watching, you know, potential guys will have to track all the way to the end and recruit to the end to make sure they sign. But uh, this class has been very, very firm in their commitments and they've all been to, you know, at least one LSU game this year. 
Billy and Body with us. Um, all right, of take all the twenty three commits out, and you know, we got like you said, got to make sure they sign on the dotted line. Who's the number one prospect out there that they're still after? That's that that is not a commit. Yeah, I would say it's probably Desmond Ricks, uh, who just reclassified from the class of twenty twenty four to twenty three. He's uh, I think he's going to be nineteen um, in the next couple months. And uh, so he's going to be a little old uh, to play out his senior year at high school, you know, per the rules. So he went ahead and reclassified. He was a huge target for them uh, going through that 2024 class. He was on campus this fall. Um, and I would say right now he skyrocketed, you know, up the board in 2023 as far as one of their must-get guys, uh, along with J.J. Toviano, another uh, defensive back in that okay. class. Those are two really, really high-priority targets for them. Oh, d- defensive back. Okay. Um, does Christian Braithwaite, uh, Brathwaite uh, move the needle as far as how this class is ranked now nationally? Well, on three now has them as the number four class overall. So uh, wow. I think they moved up a little bit for on three, uh, a top five class. And, you know, they, they have quite a few targets still out there in 2023 um, that can allow them to move in, you know, maybe to that top three if they, they come up with a lot of those commitments that they're after. Uh, Christian Brathwaite, you know, really helped them move up just a smidge, uh, okay. but really solidified them as a top five class. Uh, we switch over to basketball. Kim Bulky keeps doing it. My gosh, she might have the number one recruiting class in the country. She got Alaya uh, Del Rosario. If you're six six in women's basketball, I don't care. You're tall. You're going to make some. Th- you're going to make an impact. Um, I just look at who they got her over, and that was like South Carolina, Tennessee, UConn, those kind of schools. That's all I need to know, Billy. Yeah, and you pair her with Michaela Williams, and you have two of the top ten players in the country committed now. Um, and also uh, they, they got um, uh, Angelica Velez out of the same school in Tennessee, so you beat out uh, the in-state balls for them. Uh, you know, Kim Mulkey, Kim Mulkey is just a machine and a uh, really, really impressive job on the recruiting trail, as always. This is a huge commitment, um, pairs well, you know, with that whole class that they have, um, one of the best classes in the country. Um, you know, they just keep on rolling over there with uh, women's basketball and recruiting. I don't know. I mean, you know, you look at the hires and the job that Brian Kelly and his staff is doing. You see what Kim Mulkey's doing. Coach Johnson in baseball and Matt McMahon had no players, none. And now they got a team that's picked like like sixth in the SEC, seventh in the SEC. It's kind of crazy how good these people are at their craft. Yeah, they've done it. They've all done a really good job in, in building excitement in, in different ways um, and consistently doing it. You know, Matt McMahon and his staff are still working on that class of 2023. They've got Corey Chess committed. Um, you know, they could – probably get one player more potentially in this class of 2023, but they swung big. They've still got a couple targets out there, yeah. um, and, and their recruiting might head into the spring, you know, as far as some of their top targets as well. Right. Um, so still a chance for them to really make a huge splash, but, um, yeah, everybody that has been hired in the last year <laughs> and a half or so has really made uh, quite the impact early on, no question. 
No one makes the impact like Billy Embody covers the Tigers for at Bengal Tiger on three. Thanks for the uh, the few minutes. I greatly appreciate your time on short notice, but I had to get your, your viewpoint on that stuff. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Anytime, Jordy. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. You're the best. That's Billy Embody on three.com, right, with the Tigers. Bengal Tiger on three. Lopa's Trail Run for Life 2022 is this Sunday. The 10K, 5K, or one-mile superhero fun is taking place at the Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm. That's located at 200 Flying W Road in Karen Crow. Participating supports Lopa and is a chance to honor Lopa's life-saving heroes and celebrate the gift of life. For more information, visit Lopa, L-O-P-A, dot Org. So we talked uh, the Pell's big win. We previewed the World Series. We talked about recruiting at LSU. Coming up, hour number two, um, we will preview the Raging Cajuns versus Southern Miss this Thursday, tomorrow, um, nationally televised game, right? And Michael Huguenin will, uh, will join us as he does each and every Wednesday hump day with Huguenin as we take a look back at week number eight. What a week that was. Take a look ahead at week number nine. Just got to get through this one before week 10. Week 10, Tennessee at Georgia, Alabama at LSU, day and night. Oh, my God. CBS is crying going, why did we not get those games on our doubleheader? Nobody would have foreseen LSU being in the position that they're in. Nobody. But they are with a chance to contend and take full force of the SEC West if, and it's a huge if, they can beat Bama. On number two, straight ahead, the Jordy Helper Show in the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Both doing pretty good. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on a beautiful, gorgeous Wednesday, October 26th, the year 2020. Two. We've got uh, Mike Huguenin coming up as he does each and every Wednesday as we uh, take a look back on a, an exciting week eight of college football and look ahead to week nine, uh, which really gets underway tomorrow because um, we've got Raging Cajun football and the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. So let's get a preview as we head to Hattiesburg. Southern Miss reporter for the Hattiesburg American and the USA Today South region, David Eckert. I finally got David to come on. He was he was busy last time and this, that, and other, but it's great to have you, David. How are you, sir? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. I'm excited to finally be on. I'm glad we could make it work. So are we going to have a good game uh, tomorrow night? I think so, yeah. Um, you know, Southern Miss has been uh... – you know, they're playing a lot of tight ones, right? Um, they win yeah. with defense. They win with special teams. This is not a, a prolific offense. So if you're looking for, 
you know, 42, 35, this probably won't be your kind of game, but um, it should be, it should be tight. I think it'll be a one possession game either way. So yeah, I think it'll be a good one. No doubt. Southern Miss favored by one and a half. The over under is 42 and a half. Um, tell me about that. You mentioned defense and uh, that type of aspect. Um, what's wrong with the offense? Is it uh poor quarterback play or what, 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 uh, what do you, can you put your finger on it? Sure. So I guess the, the, the number that kind of encapsul- encapsulates what's going on with Southern Miss right now is that they've given the ball away nine times in their last three games and they're okay. two and one in those games, which is wild. Uh, so, you know, they've got a, they've got a true freshman quarterback in Zach Wilkie, who was not their first, their first plan, their plan A coming out of uh, fall camp. Um, and he is learning on the job and, you know, it hasn't always been pretty. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're mixing in Jake Lang, um, at quarterback as well, who's a former, former walk on here. Um, and they're running, uh, their version of the Wildcat. They call it the, uh, they call it the Superback. Um, hmm. so they're, they're just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall at quarterback right now. Um, it's amazing. Offensive line isn't great, but yeah, the, the quarterback position, I think, is really where a lot of this stems from. Please don't tell me that uh, Frank Gore Jr. is as good as his dad, the uh, legendary pro football running back with the NFL's third highest all-time rusher. Uh, he finally retired, my goodness. But how good is Frank Gore Jr.? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, those are those are tough shoes to fill. Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. But no, Frank, Frank Frank's a good player, right? Um, you know, he's, he's had a, a couple rough weeks, but... Um, he's reliable. He's, he's not going to do, you know, he's, he's not going to take it and go for 60 yards, but he, most of the time, but he's, he's going to get you chunks. He's a solid running back. He'll give you, he'll give you 20 for, for 95, just about every time he runs out there. And I, you know, he's a former high school quarterback. So, okay. you know, he plays in this wild, this wildcat formation. He can sling it. So keep an eye out for that as well. It's amazing. It seems like both teams have kind of found themselves after trying to utilize two quarterbacks. You see what the Raging Cajuns are doing now that they've settled in on Ben Woolridge and how they've kind of taken off with him at the controls. And you mentioned the freshman. Um, unfortunately, he's uh, he's got seven touchdown passes, but he's got eight interceptions. So turnovers seem to be um, critical to the success of both of these teams. Yeah, um, it's wild that they're both four and three, and they've both got two Sun Belt wins. When you look at the turnovers, and you know yeah. anybody who knows football knows how important that is, um, how important and predictive a, a statistic that is, right? And um, I think last time I, I checked, uh, UL is is top five in the country in turnover margin, and, and Southern Miss is I think bottom ten or bottom fifteen. So um, you know it's 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 crazy, but. Um, Southern Miss has to get that figured out, right? They're they're winning games despite that right now. They're they're four and one in their last five. Um, they've already surpassed their win total from last year. Uh, the progression program wide is is pretty clear to see, but that that has to stop if they're going to continue winning football games. There's no question about it. So um, it'll be a big test for them th- Thursday. I mean, you look at the schedule. I mean, Liberty seven and one. You took them uh, in overtime, lost by two. You beat a top twenty-five ranked Tulane team by three. That had to be the biggest win of the year, I would think. Um, was it? 
Yeah, no question. No question about it, right? I mean, that's, that's a rivalry game for Southern Miss as well. You know, yeah. they, they play the battle for the bell. So, um, you know, you go on the road, you, you, you beat Tulane. Um, and, and the way that they did it was, was, you know, really exciting as well. That was, that was actually one of, one of two turnover free games that they've had the entire year. Um, uh, wow. They, uh, <laughs> they, they got a defensive touchdown. They blocked a couple kicks. Um, so, you know, kind of a classic upset formula, right? Uh, but yeah. yeah, huge win, really, really emotional game for them as well. So many similarities with these clubs and how they do. I mean, and, and, you know, they both won two in a row. You beat Arkansas State by one at home. It was the best game for the Cajuns. They beat them handily by 20 this past Saturday. Then you go on the road and you come from behind and you beat Texas State. Um, how significant? I mean, I know it's a conference game. How significant is that to, the, to this team's mindset and how they feel about themselves now? Yeah, it's huge, right? I mean, this is a this is a program that just hasn't gotten it done. This is a program with a coach that went three and nine in his first year. So, everything that you, every little bit of proof of concept that you can get is is tremendously valuable, and it doesn't really matter how it comes, right? Just win the football game. So, um, you know, you look at that Texas State game, right? Their their defense just dominates that game. There was there was a point, you know. Uh, I, I think midway through the f- third quarter that Arkham, or excuse me, that, that Texas State had gone backwards more often than it had gone forwards, right? Um, it's, it's 13 to 7 with about a minute 30 to go, and they give up uh, like a 75 yard touchdown pass, and they go mm. behind. Um, you know, and, and Zach Wilkie, the, the freshman quarterback, had, had been pulled from that game. Um, they reinserted him for their final drive. He converts on fourth and three. With a with a 53 yard touchdown pass that wins them the game, so uh, I'm curious for him whether that can be a launching pad because those are the kind of moments that you know we we in media right we love to point to and say here's your narrative. Um, so I'm very interested to see what that does for him, but no doubt about it, this stretch, this you know, like I mentioned, this four and one stretch overall for Southern Miss has been enormous. Yeah. Um... David Eckert, kind enough to join us. It's um, it's amazing how things turn. Um, Southern Miss owns this all-time series, 40 wins against 11 losses and only one tie. And then Southern Miss kind of took a dip. UL has come up uh, with there. And so now it's kind of like UL was looking up to Southern Miss. Now Southern Miss is trying to do what UL has done. And this could make for quite a rivalry for the years to come. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I think, you know, game, games like this are are why Southern Miss fans were so excited about joining the Sun Belt, right? Is, is here's a relatively local, um, you know, rival that, that you can play every year and get excited about. And they didn't have that in Conference USA for the most part. And, and now, you know, you look at the geography, you have Troy, you have South Al, you have the yeah. two Louisiana schools. So, um you're you're right. This is this is this is a, a game that I could see becoming a really exciting rivalry for Southern Miss. Um, and just big picture, that's what everybody wanted out of this, right? These are the games yeah. that everybody wanted out of this transition. So that's right. Um, that's it's right. kind of a proof of concept. Um, I had no idea. I just see this stat. Um, <laughs> UL is one and twenty-two all time at what what. Y'all affectionately call it the Rock. One and twenty-two. 
And that was an overtime win back in 1989, 24-21, which if you ask a lot of Cajun fans and, and historians, might be one of the top five wins that this program's ever had. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, that? that's a history lesson for me. I, I did not know that, but um, that's incredible. Uh, you know, I think, uh, like I said, I think this game is, is borderline pick em, right, if you look at it mm-hmm. in Vegas. So certainly give them a better than a 1-in-23 chance of, of coming in and getting a win uh, tomorrow. But, um, yeah, definitely an interesting storyline, no doubt. How, how, what's the feeling of Will Hall? He was an offensive coordinator in Raging Cajun Land back in 2017. Now he's the head coach. Uh, what's the vibe there? What's, uh, is everybody being patient? <laughs> of course um, not. I think, you know, yes, for the most part. I, people love Will Hall here already. Mm-hmm. Just because Will Hall is, is just about as Mississippi as you can possibly get, right? Um, you know, he's, he's the son of a of Coach Bobby Hall, a uh, high school yeah. coaching legend here, has roots everywhere um, in, in Mississippi and, and has gone out of his way to make this program very Mississippi. And so I think that's that's won him a lot of friends and supporters. But you got to win football games, right? You know, yeah. if, if they're if they're one and one and six right now, you know, I'm probably not. I'm probably answering your question a different way. <laughs> um, so, you know, they're they're they can feel it turning, right? And and, and, yeah. and that's what people hope is happening right now. So, one yeah, of the people, big people are really one of the big. Him. One of the big aspects when you look at a coach is not only the wins and losses, but the fan support. What kind of crowd do you anticipate at the Rock tomorrow night? Yeah, they're they're. I actually wrote about this this week. Is they're really trying, um, you know, to to maximize that. Um, mm-hmm. They they've been around. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I probably twenty five thousand, um, twenty twenty two thousand somewhere in there okay. um, for okay. for most of their games. Um, and, and as you know, you know, for fans out of town, Thursday night games can be tough. Yeah. Um, but there's no school here Thursday. Um, there you go. You know, they're, they're giving away, uh, you know, may, I, I think a thousand tickets to faculty and staff. They're discounting a lot of the other tickets. They are really trying. Um, because for, for Southern Miss, right? Like they haven't had a home game outside of the COVID year where there's no fans and everything mm-hmm. on linear television in a very long time so this is a this is a yeah. a, a big deal it's big a deal. potential yes. showcase they want to show right so there's been a really big effort to to get that crowd as beefed up as beefed up as it possibly can be david i can't thank you enough on a busy day appreciate it should be a heck of a ball game we'll see what happens but thank you for your time you got it uh thanks for having me Anytime. we'll do it again my friend we will do it again david eckert Kind enough to join us with the latest on the Southern Miss Golden Eagles tomorrow night, 6.30, against the Raging Cajuns in Hattiesburg. We'll take a timeout when we come back. Michael Huguenin, hump day with Huguenin when we return to the Jordy Helper Show here on The Game. Stay with us. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
One of my favorite guests of all time as we talk about the weekend that was week eight and we look ahead to week nine of this ever rapidly moving college football season. Mike, good afternoon, sir. How you doing? It's, uh, doing yeah, it's hard to believe this is already week nine. Um, heck, we're almost into November, which means the season's almost over already, which is I'm telling um, you. depressing. If, if I had told you that come November – Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers would be playing meaningful games. If I told you that back in the, the beginning of this season, you, you probably would have laughed at me. Yeah, I, I would have thought that would have been meaningful for the other team, not necessarily for, <laughs> for LSU. Uh, I yeah. thought this was a seven-win kind of team. Eight if everything broke exactly right, and then you, the opening game sort of uh, didn't break exactly right. They lose. They're going to be seven and five, but – um, Jaden Daniels is playing at an extremely high level. Yeah. Um, the defense has been pretty steady all season. The offensive line looks to have settled in. And I think the key the last two games, Jaden Daniels has run, has run when he has wanted to, not when he has had to. And yeah. that makes a gigantic difference. Or they, um, I mean, fell behind 17-3 to and then outscored Ole Miss Forty-two to three to win it, forty-five to twenty. That's uh, that sets up quite another. Here we go again, a meaningful LSU Alabama matchup on November the fifth. But um, what do you equate the progression of Jaden Daniels to? I think it's the offensive line getting better and, and okay. protecting him a little bit better. Again, I think the key is he's always been a good runner, even back to his freshman days at Arizona State. I, I think the last two weeks shows that when he when he again I think it goes back to running when he wants to um, quarterbacks mobile quarterbacks when they can run when they're comfortable it's one thing mobile quarterbacks when they're forced to run by a pass rush or whatever it's another thing so um, I think he has gotten more comfortable in the offense the offensive line has settled out uh, I think the coaching staff and the players are are more know well versed in what each in what right. they can and can't do yeah. um again i've always been a Jaden daniels fan um nice. it looked he looked to a plateaued last year i think part of that though was the program he was playing for was sort of going up in flames right. and, and he leaves wins the starting job at lsu has a uneven first game though they almost won it mm-hmm. um and i think that you know he he stuck with it the coaches have stuck with him. And, you know, Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly's a really good coach. And yes. I think too many people focus on, you know, Notre Dame never won anything. Well, Notre Dame played for a lot of stuff That's while right. Brian Kelly was there. And Notre Dame is not a school that can get a lot of guys in. So yeah. I think it's, again, it's a comfort level on both sides. But I think the biggest key has been the offensive line settling in and Jaden Daniels being extremely comfortable behind that line. He had a change of uh, scenery, and he has surged. Um, here's another guy that had a change of scenery, and all he did was throw for 283 yards on 22 of 28 completions for five touchdowns. You're, you've never been a Bo Nix fan, but he's got Oregon with their win over UCLA. They've taken control of the Pac-12. Yeah, his, his transformation has been uh, incredible. And imagine if you're, a, if you're an Auburn fan. 
okay, last year you were a 500 team with a quarterback who, okay, fine, thank God he's leaving. And then you watched your two biggest rivals play for the national title. Well, this year Auburn's the tire fire because of the whole Harson thing. Your two Mm -hmm. biggest rivals are in the top six. Another SEC team is in the top three. And, oh, my God, look at Bo Nix. He's lighting it up at at, at Oregon. And, yeah, they they have put that Georgia loss in the opening game uh, in their rearview mirror. Bo Nix is playing phenomenal football. Phenomenal. Um, You're, I mean, it's it's incredible, frankly. And um, Oregon still's got some tough games left. They got to play Utah, which beat them twice last year. They got to play Washington, which is dangerous because Washington is going to torch the Oregon secondary. But yeah, they I think they passed their biggest test last week. UCLA did not punt, and Oregon won by 15. Wow! So that shows how potent Bo Nix and that offense can be. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge win, and they, again, have taken control of the Pac-12. A lot of games left to be played. Utah, UCLA, USC still with a shot, but Oregon in the driver's seat. Um, TCU and Oklahoma State scored some big, uh, key Big 12 wins as well, and everybody in the SEC is going, somebody please beat the Horn Frogs. Yeah, TCU, um, first-year coach, Sonny Dykes, and they, they were horrible last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've turned it around in one year, and Max Duggan, the quarterback, uh, the, the guy got beat out in fall camp. Um, Chandler Morris thing gets hurt in the opener, and Max Duggan comes in and has played extremely high-level football. The Kendra Miller kid's a really good running back. Quentin Johnston is a, is a really good wide receiver. And the defense has leveled out. And I think that's, you know, this is not an elite defense at LSU, by, by, at TCU rather, by any stretch. But it's, it has been good enough. Um, and they got a nice win last week over Kansas State. They fell behind big early and rallied, yes. which is what they yeah. do. And then yeah. Oklahoma State fell behind by two touchdowns to Texas and rallied to beat Texas. And I think you saw in that game Derek Mason made Quinn Ewers think a lot before he threw. Played. Well, he was bad. Don't 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 let us get deep. You know, don't let their receivers get deep. Make Quinn Ewers beat you, and Quinn Ewers looked like a guy making his sixth college start. He what, looked flummoxed was, at times, what was, puzzled at times, and just frustrated at a lot of times as well. What was Sark thinking? Didn't they have that guy named Bijan Robinson who was running like crazy in the first yeah. half? He hardly got the ball in the second half. Yeah, I think two two coaches will look back on last week and wonder why they didn't give their running back more carries. One is Texas, and one is Syracuse with Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker had five carries against Clemson. That's and and um, Dino Babers admitted this week, yeah, we uh, did not utilize him like we should have. Yeah, no yeah, duh. But, um, but sometimes I think coaches tend to outsmart themselves, and you know if. if Oklahoma State's defense went into last week's game giving up the most passing yards in the Big 12. So my presumption is you're looking, oh, we can exploit them all over the place. Well, Derek Mason adjusted during the game, and instead of saying, okay, fine, we're going to feed Bijan and we're going to run him between the tackles and we're going to give Oklahoma State a heavy dose of our running game, Texas kept throwing, and it played right into – um, Oklahoma State's hands, and the same thing with, with Clemson and Syracuse. Syracuse yeah. kept throwing. 
um, which kept the ball out of Sean Tucker's hands, and Clemson rallied to win from 21-7 down. Yeah, um, Oklahoma State, zero penalties, Texas 14. Uh, that that played a, 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 a role in the game as well. You mentioned how Clemson served. I thought Syracuse was going to win the game. Syracuse's um, defense played well enough to win. Um, you question, again, the, the, the play calling. And Robert and I have done an incredible job with the Syracuse offense, but I think he got too in love with the pass. And also yeah. I think if you're, a, you know, if you're a college football fan and you watch Clemson play, you saw Clemson fall behind. You saw DJ Uyunglele commit three turnovers. You saw yep. Clemson bench him, and you saw Clemson rally. And then you yep. think, okay, I've seen Clemson play. I've seen Alabama play. I've seen Tennessee play. I've seen Georgia play. I've seen Ohio State play. I've seen Michigan play. Clemson's offense. I've seen Oregon and UCLA play. Clemson's yep. offense isn't in the same stratosphere as those other teams. So exactly right. Clemson's defense is incredible. It's national title caliber. The offense, you know, Clemson went to the Cheez-It Bowl last year. That's about the level of their offense, the Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> but that defense gives them a chance. But you can't sit here with a straight face and tell me Clemson can win it all, is not Cle- with that offense. Are you telling me Clemson's defense is on par with what Georgia had a year ago? I don't, it's not, I, don't, I don't think it's that good, but it, this is. Okay. I think Clemson's got the most talented defense in the nation just okay. this season. That defensive front is, oh my goodness. I think there's seven future pros up there. Um, you know, Brian Brisset had a tough year emotionally because of his sister's death. Right. Kid plays great every week. Tyler Davis, who I actually he, he's went to high school about 10 miles from my house. He was a stud in high school. He's a stud now. Miles Murphy, another five-star guy. Uh, K.J. Henry is a big-timer. I mean, that, that defensive front is absolutely loaded. And yeah. you talk to any defensive coordinator at any level, if you can pressure the opposing quarterback without resorting to the blitz right. with your front four, you got something. And I'll be honest, if I'm Wes Goodwin, the Clemson defensive coordinator, I would think he spends about a minute each week on his blitz packages because that's you don't even need to blitz with those guys up front. Mike Hugan and On3.com, under the radar, and they don't play that many good teams, but Liberty beat BYU 41-14. to The Flames are 7-1, and their only loss, a one-point loss at Wake Forest. How much longer can they keep Hugh Freeze? Yeah, that's a good question. They got, and you know, this is a team that was totally made over this off season. They had Malik Willis last year, yeah. um, threw for three thousand, was also the leading rusher each of the last two years. He leaves, goes to the NFL. They bring in the well-traveled Charlie Brewer at quarterback. He gets hurt. The second teamer, Caden Salter, a Tennessee transfer, gets hurt. They're on their third quarterback. He, but you know, Freeze, whatever you think of the guy. Um, he's a good offensive mind, and they got a really good running back, a kid named Day Day Hunter, who transferred from Hawaii, and he ran for 200 last week on BYU. And you're right, they didn't just beat BYU, they beat Whew. them down. Yep. Yep. Mike Huguenin with us. Um, two former Nick Saban disciples. Um, who's in worse shape? Miami had eight turnovers in a 45-21 to 21 loss to Duke, and and Jimbo Fisher and, and Texas A&M keep on losing this time. They lose to South Carolina. 
Um, they come off a bye week. South Carolina gets the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Who's in worse trouble? Who's whose program's worse off? Oh, I think a lot of respects Texas A and M. I mean, Crystal Ball is a, is a first year coach, and there's a reason Miami has a new coach. His predecessor yeah. did a poor job, um, especially when it comes to recruiting. And I know, oh, Miami's got all these four star guys. Well, at some point, you have to look at what they've done on the field. Yes. And on the field, the last two seasons, Miami's defensive players have shown, A, they can't run, B, they can't tackle, C, they can't apply consistent pressure, and D, they can't cover. And other than that, that's a really good defense. But, I mean, yeah. that, that is their, their defensive talent level is horrendous. Um, their best defensive players are transfers. Um, Cristobal has a ton of work to do on the recruiting trail. Then you look at Texas A&M. If you're that established a coach and you've been that you've been at some place this long, why is your offense? It's not sucking oh. neutral. They're going backward. Yes, they are. Um, the quarterback development there has been abysmal. Um, you know, ten years ago, you could argue that Jimbo Fisher was the greatest quarterback whisperer of all because he got Christian Ponder and E.J. Manuel drafted in the first round. Yes, he did. But now you look, you know, Haynes King has been in the program three years. I know he's been hurt, but he's been there three years. He looks like a dude who's been on campus for three weeks. Max Johnson looked worse playing for Texas A&M than he did for LSU. No doubt. And Connor Wigman, maybe they, if I'm A&M, I'm like, Forget this season. It's over. We're going to ride with Connor Wigman and get him some experience for next year. Um, and, again, you and I have talked about this before. Anaya Smith got hurt a couple weeks ago. Who's their best receiver now? If you're this far along as a coach at one school, how can you only have one proven receiver? Um, the defense knows if it, if it gives up more than 24 points, it ain't winning because I think now Texas A&M streak is at nine games in a row without more than 24 points against a Power 5 mm. opponent. That, that ain't winning you games anywhere. So, um, you know, they're not firing Fisher because yeah. no one eats $80 million. But um, that program, and now they got players suspended. Smoking um, weed it, in the locker room. Right. That it's kind of not team. a good situation wow. at Texas A&M. Wow. All right, Mike Huguenin on 3.com. That was week eight. We'll take a look at the biggest games of week nine this Saturday as we take a time out here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. Stay with us. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back and better than ever with our good friend Michael Huguenin from On3.com. We discuss uh, the biggest takeaways from Week 8. Now let's take a look at uh, uh, Week 9. Got some good matchups, but they look really lopsided on paper, but you never know with rivalries, right? Okay, so let's start, Mike. Uh, Big 12, Oklahoma State's a one-point road favorite at Kansas State. Yeah, I'm surprised the, the spread is that low, frankly. Kansas State, if Adrian Martinez doesn't play or is remains banged up, uh, Kansas State's offense is not that good. Um, then it becomes way too reliant on Deuce Vaughn. Um, Oklahoma State, though, seems to 
Um, early in the season, they look to be more consistent, and they've been sort of up and down the last couple of weeks. But I, I, I think Oklahoma State wins that game. I still think that they're the best team in the Big 12. I know they okay. lost to TCU, but I would argue they lost that game just as much as TCU won it. I think Oklahoma State sort of choked. So I think Oklahoma State's still the best team in the Big 12. Let's go to another matchup in the Big 12. TCU, a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite at West Virginia. It's an early kick in Morgantown against a team that just got blown out. Can, can the Mountaineers help out the rest of the world against TCU? Yeah, that, West, yeah West Virginia just got hammered by Texas Tech. And yes. you're like, how did this happen? But getting to Morgantown's a pain, playing in Morgantown's a pain, um, TCU's got to be riding high. Um, they're getting a ton of publicity. You, you wonder if, you know, they're, 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 they were bad last year. So, you know, can they handle the adulation in a way? If um, this game were in Fort Worth, I think Texas Christian wins easy. But I think this will be a tougher than a lot of folks think road game. TCU's defense, um, no great shakes. So if West Virginia can run effectively, uh, which they did not do last week against Texas Tech. If they run effectively, this, this will be extremely close into the fourth quarter. I still think TCU wins it, though. All right, Mike Hugan and On3.com. Uh, boy, it's been one of those years for Notre Dame. They're at Syracuse. The Orange are three-point home favorites. They, they were impressive uh, against Clemson, but can they pick themselves off the mat? Is this a letdown situation for the Cues? That's Again, it goes back to you know a team that's not used to being successful is successful. Um, but you look at the roster, Syracuse has the better quarterback, they have the better running back, and they have the better receiver. And I think that's because Rondé Gadsden is better than any Notre Dame wide receiver. I know Syracuse lists him as a tight end. He ain't a tight end. So um, I think Syracuse wins. Defensively, they got worn down last week. Um, they, they start nobody on their defense that weighs more than 268 pounds. Think about that for a second. Their starting mm. defensive tackles are 266 and 268. Mm. Um, the thing is, how much I don't think Notre Dame can take advantage. Um, Clemson did in the second half because they kept running real Shipley right between the tackles. You yeah. look at Notre Dame, you're like, they don't have a scary running back. So I think Syracuse yep. wins. All right, let's go to the SEC. Ole Miss, this, I never thought we'd be talking about um, – the possibility of not going to a bowl game, but here we are with Texas A&M. They host the Ole Miss Rebels. Rebels are two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Aggies' run defense ranks 102nd nationally in yards allowed per carry. Uh, Is this a recipe for disaster against Ole Miss? Yeah, I think so. I think especially if Zach Evans plays. Uh, Ole Miss definitely missed Evans last week. Mm -hmm. Evans is a Texas kid from Houston. Um Recruited heavily by A&M, so in a, in a, in a lot of respects, he's you know, he's coming home because Houston is not that far from College Station. But again, it goes back to the, the A&M offense is just flat out bad. And at this point, I don't know why you would stick with Haynes King. He's not your quarterback for the future. So let's see what Connor Wegman can do. Um, I don't think it matters, frankly. If Ole Miss is has shaken off last week's loss, um, I think they win. And if Zach Evans plays. Yeah, I think he and Judkins are going to run wild. 
All right, sticking in the SEC, Arkansas, three-and-a-half-point road favorite at Auburn. You think Auburn's due to get one win, one win. They haven't given up on Brian Harson yet. Arkansas's been up and down, been up and down. I don't know what to pick on this one. Well, given up on – I think Harson's gone. I think the question is not if but when. Uh-huh. Um, Auburn's defense. I, I guess I meant the team hasn't well, given up. Well, the team up. hasn't. You're right. Right. Um, right. Auburn's defense is better than Auburn's offense. Problem is Auburn's defense on the field the whole game. They're giving up almost 400 yards a game, which I think Arkansas can take advantage. The flip side, Arkansas's defense, man, they're bad. That yeah. is sort of surprising. It is. It's a horrible defense. Um, but can Auburn's offense take advantage? But you're right. This game being on the Plains, this is a chance for Auburn to get an SEC win. Before the season, I would have laughed at you if you had said, oh, Auburn's going to beat Arkansas. Um, Arkansas's not nearly as good as I thought they were going to be. Again, I have no problems with with Arkansas's offense, but Arkansas's defense, this is the kind of defense that even Auburn can take advantage of. Mike Hugan and On3.com. My goodness. Um, I, what, I don't know what they call this game, but it's Michigan State at Michigan. The Wolverines are 21-and-a-half-point favorites. Is Michigan State that bad, or is Michigan that good? Well, I think it's Michigan State has tumbled a long, long way from where they were last year, mainly because they got no running backs. Kenneth Walker was awesome last year as a transfer. They bring in two running backs this year, Derek Broussard from Colorado, Jalen Berger from Wisconsin, and there's no room. These guys are not productive whatsoever. Um, the passing attack can't make up for it. And, you know, the thing last year, Michigan State won despite a horrible defense. Well, the defense has not really improved that much. The offense is just not good at all. And I think Michigan is going to lay the lumber. Okay, let's go back to the Big 12. Oklahoma is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Iowa State. Ooh, this could be an upset. Iowa State's got the best defense in the Big 12. Mm, You like the Cyclones here? Uh, Iowa State's offense, maybe it's teams in Iowa. Iowa State's offense is not good, especially (laughs) they, they can't run the ball. I think they're 118th in the nation rushing offense. They throw it okay. Um, Xavier Hutchinson is a stud receiver. Um, their running game is horrendous. Uh, I think Oklahoma, as bad as Oklahoma's defense is, I'm not sure Iowa State can take full advantage. And with Dylan Gabriel healthy, um, I think Iowa State's defensive stats are going to be a lot worse after Saturday. I think Oklahoma wins. All right. Um... Is the good value here? Tennessee's going to beat Kentucky. Are they going to beat them by twelve at in Knoxville? Yeah, that's this is interesting. Two, I mean, great quarterback matchup. Will Levis, maybe the number yeah. one pick in the draft. Hendon Hooker, maybe the Heisman favorite right now. Tennessee won last year, forty-five, forty-two. Mm-hmm. They had the ball for less than fifteen minutes and scored forty-five points. So. This year's offense is better, um, and Mark Stoops fully understands what he's up against. You know the, the big play aspect. Tennessee leads the nation in plays of more than twenty yards and more than thirty yards. Um, I, I I think Kentucky's defense is pretty solid. They're not stopping Tennessee, so that means Will Levis. Um, Tennessee's secondary is not good. 
especially their corners. So Will Levis threw for 300 last year on him. I think he'll do that again. Um, you know, if, if Kentucky wins, they're going to have to score in the 40s. I don't know if they can do that. Um, right. I think this game has the potential. You know, last year was 45-42, and Tennessee got a pick six in the third quarter, which was gigantic and turned the momentum. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was on one of only three hooker interceptions last year. I, I think Tennessee wins. I think they cover. But I think this game will be close uh, until, you know, maybe it's like a 49-34 kind of game. Uh, Penn State has a pretty good uh, defensive secondary. Ohio State may have to run the ball more this time. They're a 15-point favorite. Uh, heading into Happy Valley and taking on uh, the Nittany Lions of Penn State. Um, I think everybody thinks Ohio State's going to win. Again, are they better than two touchdowns than Penn State? Yeah, that's, you know, Penn State had a huge test early this year. They went to Michigan and got run out of the building. Yeah. Um, I don't think Ohio State's defense is as good as Michigan's. Uh, so don't think Michigan's offense is near as explosive as Ohio State's. Um, I, I agree. I think Ohio State's winning. Um, and while that point total is tempting, uh, I think I would uh, I would give the points. I think Ohio State, I don't think they can be held under 40. And okay. I, I don't think Penn State can score 40. Um, I'm not sure they can score 30. Though that running game, they have to get the running game cranked up if they have any chance. And they did not do that at all against Michigan. Michael Huguenin has been to many of the cocktail parties on a Saturday, and Florida and Georgia will rekindle this. Georgia is a 22-point favorite. Of all these lopsided um, point spreads, man, I'm taking Georgia in the points. What are you taking? Yeah, if you look at Florida's defense, last in the nation in third-down conversion percentage, um, they can't get off the field. And, you know, they, they can't cover tight ends. And with Brock Bowers, oh my God, he could he could have just a monster day. I think Florida can do some things offensively to make this interesting for maybe a half. But yeah, Georgia's winning, um, and there's a reason Billy Napier is a first-year coach like Mario Cristobal, the, pre- yeah. the previous coach, didn't bring in a lot of talent. If you look at Florida again, oh look at all these four stars they got on defense. We well, yeah, watch those four stars play, and you realize, my God, they're bad. So um, it's good. Florida defensively is atrocious. So um, Georgia, I think, is going to score in the 40s, and I think the Gators will be best. So um, this is going to be a one-sided game, no question. We get through this weekend, and then CBS wishes they had saved their doubleheader for next weekend because you got Georgia hosting Tennessee at 2.30 Central Time, and you've got LSU hosting Alabama at 6.30. Real quick, uh, the college football playoffs will uh, announce their first bracket, so to speak. Who's who's the first four? Who's the, who's in the final four in the first bracket? I think it'll be Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, and Michigan. He is Mike Huguenin on 3.com. You are truly the best. Enjoy week nine of college football, my friend. Thank you. Oh, all right, talk next week. Thanks, man. All right, Mike Huguenin, kind enough to join us. Um, Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to cook up some gumbo for a very good cause. The Realtor Association of Acadiana is hosting its annual gumbo cook-off at Park International tonight from 5 to 7 o'clock. Cool temperatures out there, right? Perfect time for some gumbo. This is a family-friendly event that features a Halloween costume contest, music by the Rouge crew, and, of course, great gumbo from 26 teams of area realtors. How can you make 20? Oh, man, that's a lot of that's a lot of gumbo. They're competing to earn the title of the King of Gumbo, right? Tickets cost 10 bucks, can be purchased with cash only at the event. So go to the ATM because uh, people don't carry cash anymore. Get some money and pay for it at the event. All proceeds benefit three really good local charities: Maddie's Footprints, Habitat for Humanity, and Lane's Legacy. So come out today from five to seven. Eat some gumbo, help out local charities, and have some fun with the Realtor Association of Acadiana's annual gumbo cook-off. Yes, indeed. And don't forget, uh, tonight is the McNeese Coaches Show from 6 to 7 p.m. presented by Maplewood Burgers, line a bit out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzolo will be talking all things Cowboys tonight as the McNeese Coaches Show will be broadcasting from the Maplewood Burgers at 4453 Nelson Road. So tune in tonight, starting at 6, for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Special thanks to our guest, Christian Clark. How about that? Who'd have thunk that the Pels could beat Luca and the Mavs without three starters? Two of their leading scores. Who defunct that? But they did. Uh, Chandler Rome giving us a preview on paper. Man, it's an Astros blowout, but they don't play on paper as the Phillies come to Minute Made for Friday. Billy Embody with the latest in recruiting. And Kim Mulkey just keeps on keeping on, getting another five star recruit. David Eckert previewed uh, Southern Miss for us as uh, the Cajuns and the Golden Eagles will kick it off Thursday in Hattiesburg. And then, of course, the expert in college sports, in my opinion, Michael Huguenin from On3.com. Yeah, we got the first college football playoff uh, presentation coming up this weekend. Um, And we'll see where LSU ranks with a bye week. So there you go. Tomorrow, um, the Schwab will join us, right? We'll also uh, bring you up to kickoff between the Cajuns and – Southern Miss, and all kinds of other other stuff coming your way. If today is your birthday, October 26th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Uh, he was a great running back way back in the day for the Purple People Eaters of the Minnesota Vikings. I think he wore number 44, Chuck Foreman. Yep, Chuck Foreman is uh, 72 years young today. Wow. All right. Um, James Mesh, thank you for all you do in the producer's chair. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners for making it possible. 
without you, we couldn't do it. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You can listen to us on the radio. You can stream us on the Internet. You can watch us on television in the Acadiana area. So until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy, man. That's, that's everything. Let's be kind to one another. Really, be kind. You don't have anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all. Let's all be happy. Life's too short. Let's make it sweet. So long, everybody.